Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast brought to you by Tricress. We are on a mission to make it happen for every ambitious SME on the planet and we're doing that by delivering you fantastic tried and tested business coaching and consulting through our app called Fuel My Business. We're also doing that through a network of talented and highly experienced Tricrest partners who are on the ground business coaches and consultants. But for today, you're going to hear from real life entrepreneurs and business owners who are on all kinds of journeys, the beginning, the middle and the end. We want you to learn from this and know that you are not alone. Enjoy. Welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. Today I have Zoe Evans with me. She is the founder of Female Founder Squad. Glad I've got my teeth in straight to be able to say that one, Zoe. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now you have a slight cold, I do. so <laughs> a little bit husky than normal, but I think that's husky. Yes, yes, it's my sexy, um, my sexy voice. Good. Right. I first came across you because Caroline Lawrenson very kindly said, you need to speak to Zoe. And I thought, FFS, does Zoe realise what FFS <laughs> stands for? And for those who are uninitiated, there's a swear word coming. It also stands for, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I realised it was female founder squad. And actually, you had done that on purpose. So I did. Tell me, did. how did all this begin, Zoe? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's absolutely um, no coincidence that it's uh, a female founder squad stands for FFS. And um, the reason behind that was because when I, um, so I've worked in a tech hub as a community manager for oh, a couple of years, and I've been working really closely with startups. And my first day on the job, um, my the director said to me, you know, um, because I hadn't really worked with startups before uh, quite so closely, he said, oh, you will realize that female founders don't get any funding. And so for someone as annoyingly curious as I am, I was like, okay, and just left it. And then uh, a year or so later, we went into lockdown. I started to do some industry reading. I was reading uh, Brotopia, which is mind-bogglingly awful, um, and Invisible Women, and then doing industry reading. You know, the, it was around the same time as the Diversity VC report came out with the British Bank that stated that female founders got less than one pence of every pound invested in the UK. So that sort of led me down a rabbit hole of just really looking and analyzing all of this research and the exasperation I felt at you know we're in 2021 female founders and women in tech are dealing with challenges that women in the 50s and 60s were dealing with a long time ago and I guess my life of privilege had not had made me not realize that this was actually still going on. And to the point that, you know, women, women of um, ethnicity have an even worse deal. You know, in 2019, the figure coming out, and this is the latest one that I can find. I can't find an, an up-to-date one, but in 2019, they got 0.27% of funding. 
And I just find that like amazing. I just couldn't believe that figure. And so um, the constant words trickling out my mouth reading these reports was for fuck's sake. I just couldn't stop saying it. And so when I'm ra- I was ranting to my partner about how nobody's doing anything about this and I can't find any organizations helping anyone, helping these women. And then the, the light bulb moment and it was like, ah, oh, right, well, it's stop ranting about it and actually you do something about it. So, so that's what I did. And I guess that was my tongue in cheek. Um, I knew then that I had to give it a name that had the acronym of FFS because every woman in tech and every founder on the planet has exactly the same problem. This is not unique to the UK. It's not unique to the US. Um, And so that was it. That was Female Founder Squad was born. I love that story. What did you do before you were the community manager for a tech hub? Uh, So before that, I worked public sector. I was an innovation and transformation advisor. But previous to that, I I did a whole 180 um, and I had a 23 law career, 23 year law career before that. No way. Yeah. So I did uh, conveyancing, commercial and residential conveyancing for 23 years. Wow. Gosh, that's phenomenal. Okay, so. As with most the entrepreneurs I interview, it, it's never a logical step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or sane. <laughs> Logic is involved at all. Okay, so um, I too, I'm halfway through, just over halfway through Invisible Women. I'm listening to it on a, an audio book and, and I have to only listen to it in short bursts. Yeah. I just get this can't be real this cannot be happening in the 21st century and I urge anybody who is still under the misapprehension that we live in a more equal society to read or listen to that book because the deep underlying data about half the world's population is simply missing yeah yeah it's crazy isn't it yeah it is crazy yeah it is and it's really worrying because as we move into a a sort of ai future the algorithms that tech will be based upon are are algorithms based on and written by males um, because there's not enough diversity within the area so that's this the really really worrying thing um because ai is and will be the future um so yeah it's it's crazy when you read books like that brotopia was really eye-opening for me because that really opened the lid on the culture the misogynistic culture there's no other word for it um of the big big tech companies and silicon valley and it was uh, Emily Chang from Bloomberg TV who lifted that lid right. um, and it was you know it was, it's this bro culture that you know we hear about but you think that surely can't be going on in the big companies I mean but unfortunately it, it is and it's it's so vast that but they have the money just to pay women's silence so we never actually hear how bad it is which is even more worrying. It is. The other book or audio book I would recommend is 12 Bites by Jeanette Winterson. Hmm which goes into the history of AI. You know, Jeanette Winston's very interested in AI and what it will bring. And she goes into the deep dive history of it all the way back to Ada Lovelace. Okay, yeah. Um, and it's absolutely fascinating. It gets a little bit philosophical. There's a bit of history. It brings you right up to date. And that's the, the audio book that led me on to Invisible Women. Invisible Women. Okay, great. Mm, I'll check that one out for sure. I always love 
a, a good recommendation. Yeah, I'm going to go and look up Brotopia after this as well. Oh, you'll love it. <laughs> it's impossible to read without swearing, though, I'm telling you. You'll probably change the name of your company after you've read it. Right. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. Okay, so Female Founder Squad, um, what it, what's the stall that you're laying out and what are you going to do for female founders? Yeah, I mean, well, initially it was a side hustle and it, I really just wanted to, to, to create a platform that connected and supported founders. As a community manager in a tech hub, that's what I was doing day to day anyway. So I thought, well, I'll just take this online and I can, you know, I had a really big network. I'm I, I, quite a, lucky to have quite a big knowledge of how startups work and all the methodologies around that and have a lot of qualifications there. So I thought, well, I, I can just help this. This will just be, and it, it really sort of grew arms and legs within the first three months. And then I realized actually I could use this as an MVP to really figure out what founders need more, like what are their biggest challenges? And so I did And the first, this first six months of that platform was around, you know, how can I help you? Like, what do you need? And the one big thing, there was three features, but the one biggest thing was community. You know, there was this huge amount of isolation for women um, because especially, you know, usually we have a side hustle because we have a full-time job and we're looking after our kids or we're carers for other people. And so the side hustle is, is really takes up all of our spare time and there is no other time for networking and going out to events and things like that. So I think that's where the isolation comes. And that was where I found there was such a huge appreciation on the platform for women joining because they were all in the same boat whether it didn't matter which country they were from <clears throat> excuse me but um so that was great the community was was and we all know community is at the heart of everything right especially nowadays uh, given the pandemic and then there was this knowledge base there was this sort of support around I was constantly being asked questions about well how do I do this and how do I do that and if I'm at this stage if I'm really really early how do I build an MVP what is an MVP and and but prior to that I was saying well you have to go back a step first before you build the MVP you've got initial validation you have all of that to do first really get your make sure you have your problem solution fit before you move on to the next stage and so there was you know these various stages as we all know of a startup and you know, there's just some of these just pockets of knowledge just missing here and there and the, the applied learning, you know, it's okay to, to read the Lean Startup um, book, which is, can be quite hard going, you know, if you're not into tech, it, it's, it's a bit hard reading, but how do you apply it? You know, you could understand it, but how do you apply it? How do you apply a hypothesis? And how do you pull the data out of a hypothesis to find out whether your assumptions are correct? And if they're not correct, how do you change? How do you iterate? So it's things like that. So I so I created that step by step guide and success path. And then the most important one and the most um, the one I'm most passionate about is the investor matching tool. For me, all of this data and there's even more recent data that came out last week to say that there's been a further fall in female funding from 2.3% to 2.2% from last year to this year, which doesn't sound hugely significant, but actually there's a TechCrunch article that came out um, over the weekend. Um, by Diane Yu that I was quoting earlier in some social media stuff. It's called the pandemic put a spotlight on the need to invest in women founders. And it suggests that actually that minor setback going from 2.3% to 2.2% has actually delayed women's progress in VC by five to 10 years. No, really? So one year's drop on one of a 0.5 percentage can delay us 
progressing for five to 10 years in BC. That's crazy. So when the cap, the highest, the highest amount we've ever received is 2.8%, we're now at 2.2%, how long will it ever take to get any kind of equality? So that data, and this is the sort of data that screams to me that this process, the current process we're in, it doesn't work. It's not created for women. It's not for female founders. Um, it's like an invite to a party and we're, we're not invited. You know, we didn't get the invite. And that's fine because we're intelligent, strong, resilient, amazing, awesome women. We can just, why don't we just go create our own path? We'll go create our own route to funding. We'll go and create our own culture, our own inclusive culture. And so that's what I wanted to do with Female Founder Squad. So I really, it's, I can only find a, the term of a solution stacked platform because it has three solutions to three of the biggest problems that female founders have. Um, and no matter how early or late you are in your startup journey, there's something in there, whether it's the community and that sort of support and connection of other women in the same, in this, doing the same journey as you, whether you're really early or just new to tech and you're not really sure how to create a startup, or whether you're looking for series B or pre-seed, an investor matching tool full of investors, angels and VCs from around the globe um, that are specifically looking to invest in female founders. Now, surely that is a shortcut to waiting to see if you can be in a network of someone who may or may not give you a warm introduction. You'll get the warm introduction. You'll send a VC or your pitch deck. And as we know from the diversity um, the VC report back in 2019, only 4% of female founders, female-founded pitch decks were viewed. Um, so you can send it, but there's no guarantee they'll actually read it. Okay, so they're not even viewed. No. So the British Bank Diversity VC report, which I mean, I love this report. It's so it's it's really comprehensive and it's got a huge amount of data. Out of um, the 46, I think it was 46 or 64 VC firms that were surveyed for this report, only 4% of female-led female startup pitch decks were viewed. Do we know why? They, they just, well, it's, it's, it's like anything. We can, uh, we can assume and we can, um, but it's the same reason as 25% of, of those VC firms didn't see any female-founded pitches that year. So, okay, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. Sure. It, is it that just fewer female founded businesses are pitching? Mm -hmm. So the odds are smaller generally to be viewed or seen. It, is it that of those that are pitching the ideas aren't as good? Do we, do we know what so yeah I think I think it's all of that I think there's definitely fewer female founders pitching because there's fewer female founders there and there's also fewer female founders in the warm networks that get the introductions okay um so there's that there's 20 female founders make up 20 percent of the startup world so so that's we're already you know as far as that's concerned pretty far behind but um yeah there's there's also just the obvious one which is just bias you know it's like we can skirt around it as much as we want I'm I'm you know I'm Scottish I I, I spades a spade so you know for me it's not even unconscious bias it's persistent bias um and yet if you went to any VC and said do you discriminate against women they would say absolutely not we encourage 
people from all backgrounds. All yeah, of course, because they have to. They can't ever say that they would discriminate against, but their preferences, isn't it? And, it, and it's it's also, you know, there is, okay, there's an element of unconscious bias because you invest in what's familiar to you, you know, um, and it's the same as, you know, the, the, the stat, I can't remember what the percentage is, but female VCs, check writers will, whatever the percentage is, are more likely to invest in females, yeah. um, which isn't a bad thing, but there's not enough check writing VCs. So that, that's another thing, you know, it's, this is where we also need to, to find some more diversity and inclusion in, in that world. So it's, you know, we need more women at the table. We need more check writers, but we need also more founders. Um, so there's a number of different various reasons. But for me, I think it's just it just highlights that, you know, we don't need to always follow the one path. If one route isn't working, find another one and create it. If, you have, if there's not another one existing, create one. Um, so I was really lucky three days before the launch of this, the second version of the platform, which was just recently launched. A VC in San Francisco um, from the VR fund, uh, a really great uh, virtual reality AI metaverse uh, fund, um, endorsed the investor matching tool. And so I woke up one morning, three days before the launch, and my Twitter had like melt, got into meltdown. And of course, instant panic. I was like, oh God, did I have a rant? What did I say? Oh my God. And with one eye, I was sort of opening Twitter to find that he, it was great. It, you know, he had endorsed it and recommended it. And I actually found myself in a position I never realized I would or didn't expect to. And, and at one point I had more investors on the platform than I did founders. Uh, so there is appetite for investors as well to find alternative routes to deal flow. You know, they're also realizing that actually there's more they could do. And tr the traditional route is not always the best route. And that's, I think, what positive that's came out of COVID is that we have really really understood that there is there should no there shouldn't be any geographical restriction to network that's what COVID has made us all realize you know so you don't have to just stick to your geographical location in order to network or to introduce people so I think the appetite is coming from both sides from VCs angels and from founders and it's just getting the word out that actually there are alternative routes out there yeah, um, and, and I like the idea of creating something that's a different route, um, because often when you do that, you create something better for yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's just more inclusive and it's, you know, it's not to say it's the, it, it's, it's, it could be the way forward for every type of investment. And, and again, we're also, we have to understand that not every female or every startup will want investment. No. Or need it, you know. Some of them are, are are really happy, successful service companies, for example, that can you know scale at their own pace as their revenue um, as their revenue increases, and that's great. And some founders just have, you know, speaking to a founder the other day who just had a really bad experience and no longer wants to 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 go out there looking for for funding, and will just take her time in building, and that's that's okay too. And that's the platform also is about providing the support about okay if you're bootstrapping how can I help you right. and that's something I'm focusing on this week on the platform I was going to say that's good because we as a business have kind of swithered about going for investment yeah and what we've narrowed it down to is the type of investor that yeah. we're looking for and it's a very specific type of investor yeah um because I I want to be able to find an investor who believes what I believe yeah 
um, and yes, give them a really good, healthy return on their investment because I'd like a healthy return too. Yep. Um, and if it means um, going at a slightly less frenetic pace, but building something much stronger and more sustainable. Yeah. I'm all for that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And it's not about taking the first investor that comes knocking at the door. It's about finding the right fit because you will be with this investor for a long time. Well, not too long, but five to 10 years, potentially. So um, having the wrong investor at your cap table will do you no favors. Absolutely. Yeah. And because we're service with tech, we can grow without investment. It's going to take longer but we will be able to do it, definitely. Now, not everybody is in that fortunate position. So if you have a heavy R&D load, you're definitely going to need some kind of investment. But I would still say hold off until you can find the right investor, definitely. So, okay, where is this going to go? And how, what's your business model, Zoe? How, how does this work financially? <laughs> Well, I mean, like you, I'm also bootstrapping at the moment. Um, I was offered investment quite early on, actually, when I was when I was started speaking to investors about the investor matching tool. And one of the the global funds that I was speaking to said, "Oh, I'm happy. I'd be interested in investing in you." And I said, "Well, that that's nice. That's validation. Um, but I want to try and do this as long as possible myself um, before relying on." Um, on investment, uh, and that that might that time might come, and and that's great probably won't the offer probably won't still be there when I do decide no doubt um but um yeah it's it's a subscription model it's a subscription based um model so um initially what I was trying to do was so there's a there's a really firm founder first ethos on the platform I know because I've, I've I'm, a, I'm a founder too that things are tight and we don't have huge amounts of money to spend on on and we already spend a huge amount of money on our stack you know that just keeps our business running and you know whether it's um, email marketing uh, platforms all the SaaS stuff that we need to buy to to run smoothly um, so the initial business model around the investor matching tool was a pay as you feel which was pretty unusual and that sort of perked the ears up of quite a lot of investors when they heard that because they don't normally hear that as a business model um and i like that because it really allowed the control to be to the founder um and it could depend it might depend on you know how much of a of an influence or how much of a, a party did female founder squad take in actually introducing a founder to an investor would that and would that founder have been on that investor's radar in the first place or or not and it we could have had a really heavy influence in it or, or a really light influence so having a standard fee like most of the other investing matching tools some take three to four percent um equity or um a share of the the the, the amount raised which i find really ridiculous um and some are sort of three to five hundred pounds a month so i was a, i was sort of going in as a pays you feel model but actually recently on launch i've just sort of reflected on it and i i want to at this stage just let founders know that they're the most important thing is facilitating the opportunity for them to meet the right investors. So I've scrapped the pay-as-you-feel model. Um, and that might change further down the road, I, I don't know. But for now, it's it's a pure subscription model. Um, it's £20 a month 
subscription to get all the features of the platform. So that's the community, the knowledge-based success path, which is the step-by-step guide, and then the investor matching tool. Um, and then on top of that, you have resources and, you know, we've got a really good um, partnership with um, all the SaaS companies. So you get huge amounts of discount. So there's, there's that, and then there's the events. Um, so we, we aim to have sort of monthly office hours with various VCs and angel funds from around the globe. Um, there's master classes on there about how to get investment ready, what your data room should look like, you know, what is your pitch deck and what should be included in your pitch deck. All the things that founders need to know. So rather than being on a million different platforms, everything's kind of in one place. Which is a fantastic resource. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I hope so. May I offer, and you can say no, but may I offer the Feel My Business app at a discounted rate for your members too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Add that to the benefits on the platform of which you are a member. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so far, so good, because actually one of the things I was really impressed with when I was registering for the investor matching tool is you said, look, we need a call. I need to learn more about your business. So it's not just an algorithm matching you up. It's actually a real human being saying well, yeah. a little bit more because I might know somebody. Yes. Tech misses. And I yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, the the AI side of things um, certainly might come later down the line, but I think the human side of things initially is crucial because, you know, I need to know there's nuances and niches to every sort of startup, I think, and and founders as well. And I think it's it's really good to get a feel for the founder and the the expectations and um, the ambition of where they want to go. I think that's and, and also, you know, as a new startup myself, um, having that relationship with the investors and I do the same with the investors I want to speak to them I want to know what what is it they're looking for what is their sort of niche markets um, and I think it's really good like we said you know it's don't take the first investor that comes along it's about having a good match mm-hmm. so if I know if I get the feel that maybe that won't quite work out um, you know, although I would never put it down to personality, I give the investors the option if something matches, if the data matches the uh, thesis aligned um, criteria, then they will just be given the details and it will be up to them to then decide whether to contact the, the investor. I mean, really, it's, it's just about facilitating an opportunity that might not happen because the world is a really big place and as I said if we're not relying on geographical restrictions anymore then how do you know that a, a you know a VC from um, San Francisco has now got a fund that's taking and taking them into Europe in the UK that's looking for female founders because they want the KPI of their female founder investments to go from 30% to 50% right. and that is one of the VCs that's just come over so he's just signed up um, actually, it was Marco from the VR fund who, you know, they have a 30 percent um, investment in, in female founders right. in their portfolio. But their their KPI for next year is to increase that to 50 percent. So their fund is now looking broader than the US and coming into the UK and the, and the EU um, to find those founders. So it's having me having those conversations with investors and then me having the conversations with the, the founders. The, the matching I think you can put AI into most things and some AI is really scarily great but I think a human touch for that type of thing is you know it's, it's really vital it is vital and I, I think it's important to know that actually increasing that diversity of portfolio makes commercial sense 
I believe there's a stat on how much more successful female founded businesses are. You, you'll know better than me, Zoe. <laughs> uh, so I think the last time I saw the stat, it was 32% of um, of VC enabled startups that were female led, where they were 32% more successful um, and generating it revenue than, than their male counterparts, right. you know, which is, which is, you know, this is the whole argument. It's like, well, okay, if that's the case, then there is no real reason that female-led startups shouldn't be funded. So, you know, there's so many organizations now. I love people like Always in the States. You know, they're a, they're a, um, a social enterprise created by VCs, female VCs and founders um, that, that are just doing some really great work. And, you know, it's they're sort of saying, well, we can we can say all these stats and we can prove to you why it's better to invest in female-led startups or, or, or more female-led startups. Um, and we can continue to do that and continue to do that. But at some point, we just have to go, okay, what what is the issue? Yeah. Um, and, and that's where, it's funny, the founder of um, Always tweeted something last week and she she mentioned unconscious bias. And I, and I tweeted, by reply to her and I was like, unconscious or persistent question mark and she you know she was like yeah you're right we at some point we're gonna have to to be like well how unconscious is this now yeah you know so it it is what it is but but again it's it's like okay let's not fight about it let's just go and create our own culture let's go and create this inclusive really positive experience for women in tech, for female founders to know that actually that's the traditional route, which works better for another gender. And this one might work better for yours. So, you know, let's, let's, let's have startups or female led startups succeed or fail based on their business model or their products or services rather than their gender. That's, that's all I want. Yeah, absolutely. Where are you going to take it? Oh, I mean, I, I, it's so scalable. I, I mean, it's it's if, if it can reach as many female founders as possible and it's, you know, it's embryonic at the moment and it's it's a community led platform. It's like, I think you should have this. I think you should have, you know, it's like it's it's there for female founders to shape. It's like shape it, help help it grow into something that, you know, will bring you value right now you know, from my head and my, I've got a founding board of members, um, you know, we all kind of think, right, these features provide value um, and it's just about giving it reach, but I, I'm absolutely open to to the community, shaping it into to whatever they need it to be. Brilliant. How can people find it? Okay, well, it's femalefoundersquad.com. Um, we're all over socials. Um, they can go there and the doors, the membership doors are open. Um, yeah, just Great. check it out. My last question, Zoe. If your business had a personality or character, how would you describe it? Oh, wow. Um, I would say, um, oh, I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh my goodness charismatic mm-hmm. um, driven um, unapologetic mm-hmm. for sure and straightforward I think that would be I think I think oh wow, maybe maybe that's me <laughs> well you know funnily enough when it, I asked 
question of founders they describe themselves yeah I guess you know I mean the thing is our our businesses are like our children right so you know we kind of see ourselves in them quite a lot because you know we created them designed them so yeah no I think I think um I I unfortunately I think my 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 the way I project female founder squad and obviously even with the name it inst- it can instantly make feel- people feel uncomfortable because it is really direct in the fact that it's unapologetic about its mission and the fact that we really are exasperated at this kind of culture so um yeah I I know that that can be a bit too much for for some people but I kind of feel that there's an urgency just to get past you know just like let's just call it what it is and let's get past that and let's move on and find a positive a positive way to move forward so so I'm kind of just all about getting to the the crux of an issue and, and moving on you and my friend uh yeah female founder squad ffs my friend has a community she's building called girls that get shit done and <laughs> perfect yeah there is a, that's a, it we just need to do it now yeah it's that's it it's like okay well we know that that's not working so let's just move on yeah Cool. That's amazing, Zoe. Thank you so much. I no really problem. Take your time. It's a busy time for you. Uh, and I look forward to taking part in the investment matching and seeing how far you can take this. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. You can find us at tricrest.com and you can find Fuel My Business there too. Answer the 12 questions in less than 60 seconds and find out exactly what's happening in your business. And then even better, learn how to fix it. Did you know you can access our Tricrest partners through Fuel My Business too? Just upgrade your subscription and you can get access to them in a group coaching session once a month or even one-to-one. Enjoy.